You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
It's beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in a groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the door. Welcome to Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast 
by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, we've got a special tribute program by two by Radical Australia and Radical Philosophy to uh, Mr Michael Smith, who uh, is a stalwart at 3CR, who recently died. Now, obviously, this is the first of many... Well, there already have been tributes on 3CR to Michael. He was a multi-dimensional personality. Uh, we'll be talking basically about his... Uh, contribution to 3CR through mainly our uh, programs. Obviously he uh, made a huge contribution to 3CR in many ways over the 26 years he was here. He was a constant feature and uh, he uh, was instrumental in assisting myself and our guest Elizabeth Matthews uh, from Radical Philosophy over the years and uh, we just felt personally that we needed to say some words about him. Now there will be two musical interludes because uh, Michael was a bit of a, a musical genius and uh, there will be uh, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters and at the end of the program, Black Sabbath, End of end of Beginning. So uh, they go about 15 minutes. So all I can say is I was, um, I was shocked to hear about Michael's death when the uh, 3CR station manager, Rachel, rang me. Uh, just after, I think it was just before Christmas, and um, I've been thinking about it a fair while, and I felt that we should devote some time to, in Radical Australia. That doesn't mean that we won't have a uh, proper tribute program at a later date. Now, I understand that 3CR is organising a tribute in uh, early February, uh, which, uh, unfortunately, because of co- current COVID-19 restrictions, will be restricted to 100 people. And uh, once we got further... Information about that, we'll pass it on to our listeners. Elizabeth, Matthews, how are you? Yes, Joe. Look, thank thank you very much for inviting me onto the program and being able to remember remember Michael's contribution to 3CR and, and to my program as well. And, yeah, I just, I just think it's a really good thing to do and because I was quite shocked... At his um, yeah, hearing about his death, and he was he was so young, wasn't he? And he'd done so much in his life, well, and yeah, yeah it, was, it was shocking because I think it was his his life was cut short. He he would have go, gone on to continue all his work and and everything, and it is it is so sad to lose somebody so so young, isn't it? Yes, well. Well, he was—he uh, would have been, uh, I think, in his late forties, early fifties. So compared to us, he was young. But uh, compared to a lot of people, he wasn't uh, that young. But you're quite right. You don't expect people to uh, die at that period in their life. Now, as I said before, look, I—I um, I knew Michael for the 26 years he was actually here because I've been here since 1977. So he was basically a Johnny come lately, as far as I was concerned. And my first experience with him was that. Uh, when Anarchus World this week was on 3CR, because I'm totally technologically illiterate, I just refuse to uh, learn, uh, the new uh, people that come into 3CR, they'd be thrown in as the producer of the Anarchist World this week. And uh, Michael, <laughs> that was one of his first jobs, was to be my producer. <laughs> Poor man. A baptism of fire. Well, not really. We soon realised that although I hated music and he loved music, uh, we were actually similar personalities, you know. We were uh, difficult people in our own way, you know. 
But the difference between him and me is that I'm I'm difficult. He was actually a very nice person, but you know he pretended to be difficult. So that's the difference. No, no, no. I was really because we had this boring, really boring introduction to the anarchist world this week uh, called um, what was it uh, Imagine by John Lennon? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. for you. And, and I could see Michael squirm every time he played the introduction. <laughs> so I said, well, you, you go find something else for us. You know, you find something that you think is suitable. So a few weeks later, he came back. He said, well, we're going to play Black Sabbath, end of the beginning. <laughs> That's such a fantastic um, intro to the show, Joe. Yeah. And that, in just in case you're wondering who that is, it's young Kelly Whitworth, the producer for The Anarchist World This Week in Radical Australia. We said to Kelly, you should be welcome on this uh, segment regarding Michael. And she said, oh, oh, but now she's on. Hello, Kelly. Hello, and hello, uh, Beth, and hello, everybody out there. So how did you first... Hi, Kelly. How Hi did you, Elizabeth, how did you first meet Michael? Well, I actually first met Michael in... Um around 2011 when Occupy Melbourne was happening Mm -hmm. and I was uh, I had actually participated in in Occupy and had been quite traumatised by the police and one afternoon there was a small group of us sitting around in Treasury Gardens and we all just got chatting and chatting about certain political groups that we were involved with and I said well I go to this group called the Wednesday Action Group, where people uh, go every week and we reclaim public space. And I started to go into the ins and outs, explaining it, all of it, and all of a sudden, this, this chap sitting next to me said, Oh, you mean Joe's group? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I turned around and, and there was Michael. And uh, he said, Yeah, yeah, he said, I've been to that group. And I thought, oh, wow, that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then, then we were sort of chatting about all different things. And then the next thing, we were sitting there very chilled out, oh, and, a, and a police van went past. And I jumped up, and I ran around one corner. Michael jumped up, and he ran around another corner. And we sort of hit around the corner for a couple of minutes because of our, <laughs> our trauma with Occupy. And the next thing, we both started edging around and we both sort of were peering around our different corners and we saw each other <laughs> and we started laughing. And anyway, with relief, we, we both went back to where we were sitting and sat down and said, oh, geez, you know, that was a bit traumatic. But, you know, mm. seeing that we both... Uh, the other people obviously hadn't gone through the trauma we had and, and they, just sat, they just stayed there. It didn't worry them at all. So we sort of sat down and, and had a chat about that and it mm. was really good... Just to meet a like-minded person who had, you know, gone to the same group and had been through the same experiences. So, so he he was sort of um, I'd, I'd remembered that afternoon. You know, we'd sat there for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. and then it was sort of a few years later. I walked into three CR, and there he was, and I thought, oh, I remember you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. Now, now uh, I don't want to embarrass you publicly, Elizabeth. Beth Matthews. Oh, we already have no, several no. times on other programs, so it won't be a first, but oh, go on. Go on. Look, look, I remember being a bit shocked when I saw your midriff on primetime TV as you were being pulled away by police. Now, that wasn't Occupy Melbourne. That was later on, wasn't it? 
No, no, that was Occupy. Oh, that was you, was it? I'm thinking... Yes, that was, that was me. <laughs> I'm thinking, I know Occupy. that... Occupy. I mean, I, look, I, I dare say if that had have happened to Michael, it wouldn't have been as in, embarrassing, him being a man. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was quite embarrassing for me. It was, it was a little higher than my mid-drift. It wasn't. I, I was being I was, polite. I was, <laughs> I was just very grateful that, that um, in the 70s I, I didn't burn my bra. <laughs> Let's just say that. Or it would have been more embarrassing. <laughs> no, I did. I, I was watching primetime news and I'm thinking, I know, I know that woman. I, I know that woman. <laughs> well, I didn't realise you'd sort of seen so much of me to recognise me. Well, you know, th- th- you know, we don't really want to discuss this on air, do we, Elizabeth? As we've no. both, we're, we're both gender orientated in different directions. I think. <laughs> now, Kelly, what was your first memory of Michael? Um, Michael was one of my uh, first trainers. Oh, uh, yeah, back in 2013 when I first came to the station, and um. Oh, I was just, as you and Beth were talking, I was just thinking about that time and um, thinking what to say. And um, I guess guess one thing I'd like to say about Michael is um, he had this amazing energy because um, it was made up of two things. He not only had um, amazing physical energy like he he had uh, like high energy, you know, very enthusiastic. He was always always running around the station, up and down the stairs, <laughs> getting this or that, you know, uh, helping someone out in some studio, helping someone out in some other room. So he was very good like that. He was very, you know, fit in that way. Um, but he also had this beautiful, uh, gentle, friendly, generous, happy um, personality that went along with that. You know, any time you asked him a question, it was never too hard. You, you were never annoying him, you know, You'd, because, you know, when you're in a training session, you can be training up to 15 people how to operate equipment. They're all new to 3CR. They don't know, you know, what's going on. So you have to contend with all those different personalities and different levels of understanding and things like that. And so the trainers, you know, are bombarded with questions all the time. And the beauty of Michael was that, he he never got frustrated. You never thought he was annoyed by any question. He was always like, "Yeah, yeah, no worries. Like that's fine. I can come and a- I can answer that, or I can come there and help you with that." So um, he was just a really beautiful person in that way. Mm. Well, I found him uh, extraordinary in the amount of time that he gave to this radio station. He gave an extraordinary amount of time over the last uh, twenty six years. People like me, I'm a bit of a show pony. I just walk in, do my programs and walk out. But Michael was a constant feature. And if you wanted to do an outside broadcast, sometimes it can be very hard to uh, do an outside broadcast here at 3CR because of the limitations of the equipment. Michael Smith was the man you'd go to. And uh, he did a number of outside broadcasts for us, uh, especially for Talk Back With Attitude. I remember one of the most uh, interesting ones is when we picketed the... uh, McDonald's headquarters across the road here from Free CR and we did an outside broadcast talk back with Attitude when all the folk from the Tacoma anti-McDonald Tacoma group came up to be part of that outside broadcast and at one stage talk back with Attitude was doing an outside broadcast about once a month that was our policy and uh, he would you know turn up with his equipment anywhere uh, in Melbourne set it up, didn't matter how busy it was, how many people there were, how many police were around, and uh, we would do that outside broadcast. And I think the last outside broadcast 
I did with him was with the uh, when we did the um, uh, defend and extend a housing a ten day vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House uh, at the end of two thousand and eighteen, if I remember correctly, before the last state election. But he did an extraordinary number of outside broadcasts, uh, and uh, you know he was never paid for them. Uh, he just he just did it. You'd ask him, and he would do it. I mean, you know, every club which relies on volunteers, and 3CA in many regards is, is a club, relies on people like Mr Michael Smith who actually are willing to donate their time, not because it gives them a big name, not because it you know, makes them important, because they feel that the organisation has something to offer. And I, I found Michael always, always helpful. How did, how did you find him... Uh, Beth, because you're a bit of a uh, Luddite is it, when, it came, when it came to technology oh. when you first walked into the station, weren't you? <laughs> oh, oh, very much, very much so. Look, look, I must say, I know I, I must thank you. Uh, you were the one who actually got me onto 3CR. What? And, oh. And I, I, you, you, you Bad were. mistake. You, you, gave me, you, you used to give me little pushes occasionally. Yes, not on your and midriff, I'd like to reassure the listeners. If, if, <laughs> well... You know, even when you were speaking about the the broadcast, we we did it the McDonald's opposite, yes. and about the no no McDonald's in Tacoma. Mm. I remember you were sort of running after me with a microphone, wanting me to speak all that, and um, I kept resisting. But then, when you actually announced on the Anarchist World that I was coming in to speak about when we were running in the federal election, mm. I thought I can't get out of this one, and that's when I, I realised that you know. You, you actually saw that I could, I must have had a bit of hidden talent, and you saw that. And so I do thank you for that. But, but I must say, once once I sort of was up and running, yet again I was by myself, and it's just it was so difficult having my own program. And um, you you very much three CRs like a family, and you've really got to rely on the other volunteers in your family, and. Look, I just can't speak too highly of Michael. He was always there. And um, when I needed some sort of assistance, he was there. And it was like if anything went wrong, he would just magically appear what? in front of me. And I remember... Why do you just I'll also, I'll also speak about the, um, the broadcast he did. But once I actually walked out into the courtyard and Michael had just struck up a cigarette, lit up a cigarette... And as soon as I walked into the courtyard, he just saw my face without me saying a word and said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I've done this interview with this woman and she's told me how she had to get a babysitter in to babysit her twins so that she could do the interview. And I said, I can't find it. And Michael just went to jump up and butt out his cigarette. And I said, oh, no, no. I said, it's okay. I said, finish your cigarette first. Well, he stood there. He couldn't. He couldn't finish it. He was just, you know, trying to have it really quickly. Ended up putting it out and running in. As Kelly said, he he didn't really walk anywhere. He would he would up and run. And I, he often would run around the studio in bare feet. And I'm That's sure right. it's because he found he had better traction on the carpet That's to get right. to move everywhere quicker with bare feet rather than having shoes holding him back. So he just rushed off. Rushed straight in, I was recording in the telephone box, rushed in there and had it up and said, oh, here it is, here it is, now it's in your folder. 
And I said, oh, I said, you know, I said, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. And I really don't think, I, I probably would have been one of, the, one of the shows that would have dipped out in the first six months or so if Michael hadn't have been there to help me so many times. And also, as you said, Kelly, he was so patient. He'd show me something one week and then the next week I'd think, oh, I can't really remember that. And I, I never felt like he'd, he'd ever be annoyed at me. I'd just say, oh, Michael, could, could you just run that past me one more time? And it was, and he'd say, oh, yep, yep, with a smile on his face. It was, you know, never an inconvenience. And, you know, that's, that's how I, I have so much technical sort of um, ability now. I owe it all to Michael. And, yeah, when you were speaking about all the outside broadcasts, well, one day we were sitting out in the courtyard having a chat, and I said, oh, look, I'm really excited. I said, there's this um, event at Monash University with the International Association of Women Philosophers and the um, uh, AAP as well, and they're putting on a 30th anniversary discussion about women in philosophy, which is it's quite a big thing because there's not a lot for women in philosophy. And um, I was telling him all about it, and he said, oh, um, would you like me to come along and record it and you can play it on your program? And I thought, oh, that would be fantastic. And, you know, so we set it all up, and uh, over we went to Monash, and it turned out to be a whole-day event. And, you know, he managed to get there and have a look in the sound box and said, you know, there's already the wiring here, we'll use this, and he got the clearest recording. And, uh, yeah, I've got it up, got it up as a two-parter, um, as a podcast, but, but even with organising everything, connecting up all the cords, Michael just wasn't going to sit there and, and that was it. Next thing, he got out his phone, he started taking photos and videos of everything that was going on in the room. So when we finished... He said, oh, look, you know, I've got some photos and I've got the video as well. And I thought, oh, you know, you're just amazing. You just think of everything. <laughs> it's just absolutely fantastic. Mm. I just want to quickly add to uh, um, what you were talking about before, Beth, with the training, I guess, yeah, reflecting on um, what you were saying, I guess that's Michael was a uh, great teacher, mm. I would Definitely. say. You know, he, he would have trained thousands, and that's not an exaggeration. Thousands? thousands of people over the years right. coming through 3CR have got their, um, you know, radio skills through partly through Michael. He would have been a big part of that. Why do you think he was a great teacher? Um, because I think one thing that Beth said that really struck home for me was um, he never made you feel crap about asking a so-called dumb question or silly question or a question on repeat you know it, it, nothing was ever a trouble for him he just always made you feel welcome like you were capable of doing you know taking hold of um um you know radio production um he, he was patient he listened um nothing was too hard and i think that's what made him and he was very encouraging that i think they're the qualities of a really good teacher mm. yeah look um you've got to remember that all these outside broadcasts, Michael, did, Michael Smith didn't go into them in his Ferrari. He used public transport. And I'll give you an example of the, the extraordinary man he was. We've been doing the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat since uh, 2002. 
And after a few years, uh, we organised to do a live broadcast between 4am and 6am on 3CR, which we've done most years, not every year, but most years. And for over a decade, over a decade, Michael would catch the last train to Ballarat, then he'd walk about six or seven, six kilometres to the site we did the broadcast at the Eureka Park. He'd get there at about one, if he hadn't been pulled over by the police to see what he was doing, <laughs> and not that I ever believed him. And uh, he would then kind of find a little space under a tree somewhere and uh, fall asleep for a few hours. And when we turn up at uh, 3.30, you know, us Johnny come lately's, He'd been there for about an hour and a half, two hours, you know, sleeping on the dew and occasionally under a raincoat as it, as it rained on the grass. Then with the rudimentary equipment he had, he'd do a two-hour live broadcast. At the end of the broadcast, he would make his way. Sometimes we'd give him a lift, sometimes we couldn't. He'd make his way back to the station, catch the first train back to Melbourne, come across to 3CR, and take part in the International Disability Day special programming that occurred on 3CR and continues to occur at 3CR on the the 3rd of December. Now, that's an extraordinary contribution. We have never been able to find anybody else who's willing to do that. Uh, We didn't broadcast live this year because we we couldn't get anybody to a live broadcast. And and that's the way it was. He, he, He leaves a big hole in the station not just in terms of his assistance to the various programs, like Talkback with Attitude, Radical Australia, Anarchist World, which is the ones I'm involved with, and Radical Philosophy and all the training, but in terms of the capacity of 3CR to do outside broadcasts, like the Tanaminawai Mōbōhina commemoration, uh, which, again, we'll hold on the uh, next Wednesday on the 25th January. Again, he was involved in many of those outside broadcasts. You've got to remember that the equipment was rudimentary, it was difficult, and he used public transport. And he, he was always on time, always on time, which is extraordinary when you think about what public transport was like in Melbourne before COVID-19, always. He, I'll just quickly add, um, just to round things out a little bit more, he did a number of outside broadcasts for the Ruminations homelessness program I used to be involved with as well. Um, Off the top of my head, just remembering he came down once at short notice um, to a crisis accommodation centre in um, South Bank where we interviewed uh, three women, uh, or we had conversations with three women that were staying there and that was a very um, intimate uh, broadcast and had never been done before, I don't think, um, certainly not by 3CR. So uh, he came there and he, and he did that as the wonderful person that he is. And then for a couple of years he um, uh, came along to um, the Edinburgh Gardens and there used to be a homelessness uh, festival uh, put on there every uh, year. And, uh, Ruminations did a live uh, broadcast uh, from there for a number of years and Mike was there as well with all the music ready for when um, guests wanted to have a break between the talking so um, and just thinking uh, he was a beautiful but amazing person because he not only had those um, wonderful uh, training skills he had the technical know-how as well and you don't get that um, inside one person all the time do you you know that they have both those things going on yeah, it wasn't just no a... no that's right um, and, uh, and especially I mean I, we've been speaking about 
uh, how Michael interacts with people, which was just incredible. As you said, he was just such a beautiful, caring, kind person. But that also extended to the non-human animals as well. What? Now, one day what? I came into what? 3CR. What? Non-human animals? Non-human animals, Joe. What? I came, I came, I know it's hard to believe, but I came into the newsroom one day. Yeah, and there was Michael. Yeah, yeah. In 3CR, there was Michael uh, rifling through the uh, recycled paper basket. Right. And I said, Sounds a bit suspicious. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting some paper, and he said, and holding it up, and he was explaining and showing me where there were cracks. Uh, in the in the newsroom and various walls of 3CR, because it's quite an old building, there were little cracks between the architraves and the walls, and mice were getting in there. And he said, um, he said, well, you know how we've got a mouse problem, and which, which was actually quite funny because you'd have to sort of warn guests when they came in <laughs> that we had mice in 3CR, and they'd be hopping up and down the corridor and off into studios, and anyway. Um, so Michael sort of took it upon himself to sort out the problem. And at, at the beginning, he told me how he folded up the paper and he pushed it into the holes so that the mice couldn't get out. But he left the courtyard door open. But then he'd noticed that the mice were running in and they were getting frantic because they were trying to get through one hole that was blocked up. Then they'd go to the next one. And he said, oh, he said they were getting really frantic and they were getting stressed. He said, so what I did was I took the paper out of, you know, the the hole next to it so that they could go through there and get out into the courtyard. He said, I didn't want them to be stressed. And then um, about a week later, uh, he'd gotten most of them out, but he was sort of sitting in the office midway down the corridor. And um, as a mouse would actually hop down the hall, he'd jump up. And he'd just sort of bend over, because he's a fairly tall fellow. He'd bend over it and put his hands out, and he'd just really gently guide the mouse out the courtyard door into the courtyard. Oh. And I thought, oh, look. And, and he'd, he'd do it all with a smile on his face, and he was just so... He was so concerned about, about not stressing out the mice. And I thought, look, you're just one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. All I can say, listeners... If you're going to be a guest in 3CR Studios, you can relax. The mice plague has gone. COVID-19 does have its advantages. No food scraps left anywhere around 3CR. No mice. (laughs) You didn't make that up, did you? Come on. No, no. No, No, they've all all gone. They have all gone. And they've they've all gone and they're all happy. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, and they're breeding. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, the other, the other thing I, I found uh, funny about, well, not funny, just just amusing about Michael was remember when the uh, we had all that trouble next door here at 3CR when they knocked down the uh, building next door and they built this seven-storey mega units, you know, selling for over a million dollars each. And uh, one day uh, when they knocked all the building down, there was a little bit of crack in the wall and Michael went through the crack and he made the crack a bit bigger and he got a piano. Well, what do they call them? Not got a piano. Accordion? Those, no, yeah, accordion. Is keyboard. It? Keyboard. Yeah, he got a keyboard yes. and dragged it in there and uh, and played that. 
We've got some great pictures. <laughs> so on this particular program, if you're going to go to the podcast, uh, you are hoping we'll get that picture of Michael playing the uh, keyboard in the uh, in the courtyard, which I think is one of those great pivotal images of 3CR. What do you reckon, Kelly? Yeah, I just um, recalling that was actually um, someone was actually as the after the building had been demolished and it was just a, a block of rubble, basically, wasn't it? Um, another a fellow broadcaster had organised for a musician to actually come and play there, and that's what that also was. He and, and there was Mike again, of course, because you could rely on Mike. He was always enthusiastic to participate in whatever project you had going on um, at 3CR. So he came there, and as the performer uh, performed in the rubble with her guitar and she was singing, and there was Mike uh, <laughs> facing her at the other end of the block, um, putting it live to air. Amazing. It's yeah. an amazing person. Yeah. Was amazing. Yeah, well, you're saying that um, it actually makes me remember his sense of enthusiasm, because I was sitting in the courtyard, and and we didn't have much between the courtyard and the the demolishing of the of the building, and they brought a dump truck in and a, and a front end loader, and and Mike was just hanging onto the wire and telling me, oh, they, they had this dump truck and it dumped some stuff over there, and then the front end loader came and and shifted it over here, and, and it, it was actually like um, a big toy yard. And, and when he was telling me, with all this enthusiasm about all the trucks and what they were doing and everything, I just had this image of him, and I thought, I know what your favourite toys were when you were a young boy, a dump truck and a front-end loader, and, and all of a sudden they'd like come to life in this vacant block with, uh, with everything, all the rubble sort of being moved around. And then he knew, he, he was waiting and he'd see what time they went for lunch. And uh, that, that's when we'd sort of yeah, sneak through the crack in the fence and go over there and have a great time. So, yeah, it's just his intense sense of enthusiasm about things. And, yeah, he, he really, he was a real fun guy. Mm. Yeah, he was also an exceptionally hard worker. I don't think people realise how much work is involved when you uh, do all the what I call the Clydesdale activity at 3CR. You do the actual work which keeps people on air, um, like myself and uh, yourself, Elizabeth, although you do more work than I do to keep yourself on air. And uh, I do all the work for you, isn't that right, <laughs> Dr Joe? Well, Kelly, I'm the first one to admit it. I mean, you know, there, there are limits to my abilities. <laughs> And uh, Compliment each other. Well, well, we do. You do all the work and I get all the glory. That's the way it goes, <laughs> Kelly, isn't it? That's what happens with a producer and a presenter. I so. Yeah, you know, I used to, I used to, you know, I used to, I used to respect John Laws. You know, I used to respect John Laws. Why is that? Well, he was the only broadcast who actually had a producer who actually did all the work, and he just did the talking. And I thought to myself. That's the way it should be. <laughs> I should be able to think on my feet and somebody else should do all the technical work and there is nobody else at 3CR that has got the audacity to get away with that for 43 years. And that's what Michael realised and I think that's what we got on so well. Because after a while in the Anarchist World this week, he actually became a co-presenter. Not only was he actually uh, doing the... Uh, the production, he was actually co-presenting. And On he, Anarchist World. Yeah, yeah. He had a really dry sense of humour because he understood politics the way he had a, the same viewpoint as far as uh, society is concerned. I'll give you an example. 
during the dark, dark ages of the Howard regime, when Howard was in all his ascendancy, 1999-2000, he put out a series of badges just about Howard being a liar, which he gave away at 3CR. And at that stage, he he got got hold of a badge-making machine. And over the years, you know, you'd just be broadcasting, you'd pop into the studio. He wasn't a producer or anything, he'd just pop into the studio with a whole bag full of uh, badges, which he'd give to you, you know, a big envelope full of badges and saying, look, um, you may... You may um, you may need this, like I'm looking now, which obviously you can't see, but I'm looking at three badges, which is just three of the many he made. One was for the Anarchist World this week. Another one was for the Tanaminoe Lest We Forget and Mulborhina commemoration. Another one was Talk Back With Attitude, and they're quite uh, interesting badges. So that was another one of his hobbies, making badges for different periods, because, uh, you know, but, but he had a really... Acute, although you know everybody thinks of him more as a musician and a music lover, he had an exceptionally acute political awareness. Because I remember I interviewed him on Radical Australia, or in the very, very beginning, I think in the first three or four months. Unfortunately, we don't have a copy of that uh, interview, but uh, I remember interviewing him, and you know what I found amazing was his political acumen and how he understood on a um, very gut level what it was like to be dispossessed and marginalised and uh, in that situation. And uh, I found it uh, quite extraordinary. What was your experience, Biff, as far as his political viewpoints and analysis was concerned? Well, look, Michael was very much um, a philosopher, and we'd have lots of conversations about, you know, certain certain programs I was thinking of doing. And he always had an interesting spin on different different topics. And, yeah, yeah, so it, it's funny, actually, how people have mentioned about, you know, his, his political side and his musical side and, uh, yeah, and, and his political, political side as well. So I, I really I really can't even remember a conversation where we didn't agree on just about everything we Ooh. spoke about. That's but dangerous. But he, he managed to actually <laughs> tease things out and bring up different topics as well mm. and different twists that I hadn't even thought of. Mm. That wouldn't be difficult, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Michael was a very kind man and he wouldn't have pointed that out, but... You know, oh, that's exactly that's the difference. Say, I agree. I agree. Look, he was a very yeah. kind man compared to yeah. most people. No, look, he was like. Look, if I can say this, he was like my superhero. Oh. Look, it was it was so many little things as well. You'd probably agree with this, Kelly. But it was just like every little thing. Um, I I actually look. I decided I'd have to keep up with technology, and I got a USB stick, <laughs> not knowing much about it, but went and put it into one of the computers at 3CR and I just kept trying to say to myself, don't forget it, don't forget it, don't go home without it. I managed to download quite a few things and I was very proud of myself. I got home and I thought, I've forgotten it. Anyway, it was only only the next day, next thing I get an email from Mike saying, hey Beth, I think I've got your USB stick. He said, I found one, and there's something on there about philosophy. 
I thought, I, I thought, how incredible. Yeah. You found it. He, he was like always to the rescue. Yeah. Was, um, every little thing. Yeah. And, and as you were saying too before, Joe, he was always, he was always on time and reliable. Mm. You know, just an amazing combination. Mm. He also, I think, demonstrates something which is uh, very common at 3CR, which is not common in society. He was uh, willing to stand up to authority and he was willing to make sure that people understood uh, what he was about. And I think his long association with 3CR, I mean, helped him develop that side of him and he showed a lot of courage in a lot of difficult situations regarding a number of uh, protests and interactions which uh, occurred uh, with Victoria Police over the years because of the different campaigns he was personally involved in at, at, at many different levels. But he yeah. always did things, and I think just uh, thinking about what you're saying, Joe, and the making of the badges, and he was um, staunch in his politics, you know, obviously from a, from a young age. He just loved... Um, he was willing to help without any lefty kind of anarchist project that was going on. You know, it was good for him as well to be involved with other people and to expand his mind and all those kind of things, his areas of knowledge. Um, but he always did things in such a classy way. He was never s- smutty about people, even when talking about, uh, uh, you know, authority. And, and, you know, during the training sessions, he was always like, um, go for the issue, not the person. You know, I mean, we, ha- we have to do that as broadcasters anyway. Yeah, but yeah. he was never smutty. He never bad-mouthed anybody. He was always just really classy in that way. Mm, well, apart from John Howard. <laughs> okay, well, well, <laughs> there was an exception to every right. rule. Well, you know, he was our favourite <laughs> bet noir then mm. because he did a lot of extraordinary mm. things, but he was actually willing to stand up to what was happening. Now, in the last few moments of the program, uh, Beth, have you got any parting thoughts yeah well you know I, I, I actually um, Kelly you took the words right out of my mouth because it's one thing I remember about Michael he never bad mouthed anybody and that that was actually something that um, I think we can all learn a lesson from and you're right he was very very classy and I just think that I've been very privileged and uh, proud to uh, privileged to know Michael and proud to say that he was my friend. Right. And Michael, you're just a beautiful person, and we love you and we miss you. Thank you, Beth Kelly. Any parting words? Oh, I'm just so um, deeply saddened about Michael's passing. Really, still in a um, bit of uh, disbelief, but um, yeah, I just remember such a fantastic um, human being who was a, a great welcome to me and to many, many others at 3CR and um, I just remember him so fondly and so beautifully and positively and um, he'll be really, really missed and I look forward to the opportunity, you know, that we're going to provide here at the station um, for others to please, you know, share their reminiscences about Michael too. Yeah. Well, um, talk back with attitude tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. would be a, maybe a good uh, vehicle, and uh, hopefully in the near future uh, we'll be able to do a compile uh, a program uh, about other aspects of uh, Michael's life and people involved with him. So I'd like to thank you, Beth, and I'd like to thank you, Kelly, for uh, participating in this uh, small tribute to Michael Smith and uh, to remember somebody. I think is the most important thing. Uh, 
after their death because if, we, if the living don't remember, uh, we forget about people very, very quickly. So uh, thank you very much and uh, all the best. And if any listeners have been uh, upset by the program or any portions of the program, there's always... Uh, Lifeline and Beyond Blue, you can discuss things there. 13-1114 is Lifeline. That's a great 24-hour service. If you need someone to talk to, they're always there for you. Good. Thank you.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.